Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you've ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. Since 2009, our radio program hosted guest experts from around the globe sharing their perspectives, experiences, and expertise while giving you food for thought. If you can't listen live, then download and listen to any of our 300-plus podcasts in our library at texasconflictcoach.com. So sit back, relax, or join the conversation every Tuesday evening, or tweet us at TXConflictCoach. Welcome listeners to our nightly conflict chat when leaders crash creating toxic workplaces. I'm your host, Patty Porter, along with my special guest host, Stephen Kotev. The last Tuesday of every month, we discuss the hottest topics in the news as well as take your live calls. We invite you now to engage. Call us at 347-324-3591 and press the number one key so we know that you want to speak to us. If you're listening online, we do have our chat room open at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Texas Conflict Coach. Just simply scroll down and you'll see that the chat room is open. Or you can simply tweet us at TX Conflict Coach and follow our Twitter feed using hashtag Conflict Chat. Now, you can listen to all of our archive programs anytime, anywhere on our YouTube channel or on our podcast library at texasconflictcoach.com. Stephen, welcome back to another Conflict Chat. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. We have quite an interesting set of things to talk about today, and it's always my pleasure to uh, accompany you in these very interesting times. I love the the kind of partnership conversations we have here, you know, and I know our passion is working with leaders in the workplace. And so, you know, um, you know, the most recent kinds of news that we've been hearing lately is, uh, you know, of uh, the uh, Uber's CEO Travis Kalanick. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Is that the, is that the right pronunciation, or is it a different? I think we're gonna I think we're gonna go with it. I I, I haven't heard it said out loud, but I was looking at it saying that. that that probably sounds the same, but if you think about it, you know Uber's everywhere. So this is something that uh, you know this is not a a small company. This is a big company with lots of impact on lots of different folks. Yes, and I I've actually used Uber. Have you ever used Uber before or Lyft? Oh yeah, of course. You know I'm not, I'm not a hardcore Uber person, but pretty much everybody has used Uber one time or another. It seems you know it's a it's it's a a, a major part of certain folks' lives. Uh, and and everyone's and not just the young folks. Even my retired neighbors have been using uh, Uber. And you know, Uber has grown dramatically uh, just over the last uh, year or so. And this, and the reason we bring up Uber for those of you who, are, who have heard about it, and for those of you who haven't, we're going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what we're talking about. But what we're talking about today is about leaders and how their destructive actions and conduct can lead to toxic workplace environments. And, you know, oftentimes leaders are brought in because of their performance. They're technically brilliant, very good at what they do uh, in a very competitive sense, 
but from the conduct human side uh, can cause a lot of havoc. And so this recent example, uh, actually Uber's actually been quite a bit in the news lately and not in a very positive way. And and so the uh, CEO, Travis Kalanick, um, one example is that and it went viral. You know, everyone's talking about everything goes viral. Well, this video went viral, and he was actually taking – he was a passenger uh, taking an Uber ride, and um, the gentleman was using his car. That's how Uber works. And at the end of the ride, the Uber driver uh, started to engage Mr. Kalanick. Now, he was with two other passengers in the car that he knew, uh, and he started to engage with um, the driver in a discussion. And the driver was was very calm, but he was very concerned, and he was bringing up, you know, the seem, seemingly frequent daily changes, uh, but especially to the pricing structure and how the business model was changing, and and how this was actually impacting him as, um, you know, a person who not an employee of Uber, but uh, for those of you who don't know how Uber works, you know, you turn you download an app, you register to be an Uber driver, and you decide, hey, today. I want to you know take passengers and you know so I guess technically they're contractors but this business model change really created a negative impact and had a very significant financial hardship for this uh, Uber driver who's considered a partner um, and in fact he even said I've gone bankrupt because of the requirements of Uber and so instead of uh, the CEO really listening to the driver's concerns. He really started to get triggered and started to get defensive uh, to the comments. And the last comment I think that really uh, thrust him into a very reactive state is when the driver said, no one trusts you. And it very quickly escalated the conflict. And he, you know, the CEO, Kalanick, raised his voice and accused the driver of, not taking responsibility for your own you-know-what and blaming everyone else for their problems. And so, you know, they snapped at each other and, you know, good luck and good luck and you're not going to make it, and then it just was nasty. And uh, and so that's how it ended. And, of course, it was being videotaped. <laughs> so everyone got to see it around the world that wanted to see it. Well, and, you know, the the dynamics here are really interesting because here you actually get to see this leader in action. And, you know, Patty, I know that you have dealt with lots of different leaders. You also have some expertise in dealing with abrasive leaders. And you got to see this leader in action as he dealt with information that he really didn't want to hear. And that, to me, is why this video is such a good example of what can happen when you don't know how to deal with conflict. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I really thought this was such a, a great thing for people to be able to connect the dots and say, hey, listen, here's your feedback. I don't trust you, and here's how you handled it. You know, and look at look at the response. You know, the the headline that was in a lot of the news that came straight from the CEO is is I fundamentally uh, I must fundamentally change and grow up. Yeah, and and he gave an apology. Although I think a lot of people wasn't sh- wasn't sure, especially the driver, whether that was really real or genuine or authentic. And the thing about it is, p- some people who are on the opposite end of the coin might say, 
well, that was just an isolated incident. What's the big deal? He's having a bad day or whatever. But why why does that not hold water? I mean, what are your thoughts about that, why that doesn't hold water? Well, you know, there there's a couple things that I think are important for folks to realize is, is that the driver in this situation, he was, he was one of the first adopters of Uber Black, which was – cars that um, weren't just any car like your Toyota, but like town cars, you know, nicer cars, and they had to be a certain model and so on and so forth, just to be able to be considered an Uber black driver. And then you were supposed to make more money for doing it. And basically over time, the amount of money that the drivers were making got less and less, and that was part of the frustration. And so I get what the CEO is saying around, you know, you have to be responsible for your own finances, and you know if you went and started you know buying other things that you shouldn't, you know okay you're responsible for that. You know I, I get that part of it, but the information that was given to him, so much of what we talk about for folks is is understanding well what's underneath this. This is what you're telling me, but what's that really about? What's coming there? And as opposed to actually stopping and listening and trying to understand what was going on. You know, Kalanick fell into, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And one of the first things that we see happen in conflict over and over again is his communication gets sacrificed. And this is the classic example. Absolutely, and uh, and and you know, but he's human like everybody, right? We get triggered. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the thing that took him over the edge is when he, you know, when the driver says, "No one trusts you," and and it just, you know, went south really quickly there. And the thing about it is, is that even though this was just one incident in the driver's car, when you're in a leader's position, especially a leader of something so public like Uber. Uh, that has grown and is in the public eye constantly, people are really watching to see how you model positive, constructive, strong leadership, and then how do you set that tone for the culture and the workplace environment uh, in which you're trying to partner because that's some of the language. They, They use a lot of language like let's partner, but a lot of their actions and a lot of their behaviors did not line up with some of the terms that they use. And so the thing about it is is it has this really negative impact. And so a leader's thinking, their way of communicating, how they handle conflict sets that tone and ultimately shapes the company's culture. And, and we saw this in the, the style of leadership in that, you know, there is something to be said of Kalanick being able to go and create such a strong presence. You know, he's he's at, I don't know, $600 billion or some crazy amount of money that, that they, they've made, and they're doing driverless cars, they're doing delivering your food. You know, he, he's done a lot, but a lot of what he's done has come from a very aggressive model. And aggression will get you only so far because it's something where if you have somebody who's opposing you, aggression is great. If that person is you're married to, no one wants the aggressive spouse that every day mm-hmm. is going to fight you over everything. But when you're mm-hmm. inside a company and you're supposed to coordinate and cooperate together and it's all based off of aggression, it's going to turn into a toxic environment. 
You know, absolutely, and I think he, you know, the, as a, as as the primary leader uh, and the subsequent leaders that are right below him, they're going to set that tone and model that. Um, you know, if you've got a leader who's very abrasive, the tendency is in the other leaders that start to go down into mid-management all the way down to the front lines are going to model similar types of aggressive or defensive behaviors. You're going to have the extreme of that for people who are not aggressive who will be completely conflict avoidant. So you create a culture where the leaders are not approachable, uh, the employees don't feel that they have a safe place to even bring up a disagreement. So here you have a driver who is calm. He's not technically employee but he is a partner he's a stakeholder in this company he's been there from the original you know program and then specialized with uber black and yet he brings it up in a calm way and he's not sensing that kalanak is acknowledging or um you know or listening in any way and so it just escalates that and so uh, that prevalent behavior then gets modeled by other employees because then the leader's like yeah that's the way we talk that's how we work through conflict and before you know it the culture's pervasive uh with these types of behaviors and then to try to unravel that you know big rug you know that fabric that's really really difficult to do well and i see this all the time you know i see this all the time you know they talk about the fruit you know doesn't too doesn't fall fall too far from the tree and you know folks have to understand that trust is one of those things that is absolutely essential to getting anything done you want to be successful you got to have trust you got to have trust in the folks who support you you have to have trust in the people that you're hiring you have to have trust in so many different things and that the inability to deal with conflict can also do so much damage to trust Imagine if Kalanick had a different response. What do you think he would do with that person? And what do you think that video would look like? Yeah, very different because I'm I'm thinking if I was that driver, what I would have wanted him to do is to acknowledge and to thank, you know, me for bringing one thank me for my service and being so committed and loyal to acknowledge and thank me for bringing up the concerns, you know, right on the front lines and sharing how it's impacted me as a driver and and to and, and even to even to say, you know, please email me or let's, you know, let's talk further, you know, so they're not just sitting in the back of the car and you're, you know, wasn't exactly the best time to have that kind of conversation, so the timing wasn't great either. Uh, but to invite me into as a driver to invite me into a conversation or to be thoughtful about I need to have a conversation with my partners to let them know why we're changing our business model or what we're trying to do to stay competitive but to also you know to you know to make it collaborative because when you think of the word partner 
if I think I'm I'm a partner, then you're collaborating with me. And he was trying to communicate. The driver was trying to communicate. You're, I'm not really a partner. You you didn't collaborate with me. You didn't talk to me. You didn't ask me how this was impacting me. Um, so I think if he had responded in those ways by acknowledging, by listening, by remaining calm and communicating in a calm, respectful manner, in um, saying thank you for trusting me long enough through these difficult times, and then inviting me into a conversation with other partners uh, to talk through the concerns and what we can do to stick together through this difficult time, all of those things would have gone a long way of integrity and trusting him. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things about, you know, how you handle yourself. You know, what kind of leader are you going to be? What kind of employee are you going to be? How do you have those difficult conversations? And, you know, the interesting thing about Uber is is, is that there's very little in the sense of, of loyalty that they actually have for folks. You know, it's a great low barrier. You know, you have lots of opportunities. But, you know, no one's getting a pension, you know, uh, I see people all the time, you know, living in Washington D.C., who've got like three things on their car. They got the pink mustache, they got the Uber sign, they got something else. They got uh, I don't know what the other one is, but they just they're just basically working it all across the board. And you know, the quality of the services and things that you get, they can deteriorate if people don't have any sense of loyalty. And if the experience that they have from their leader is is that this leader doesn't care. You know, it, it, this is where it all goes downhill. You know, this is a classic example of if you don't know how to deal with problems, if you don't know how to talk to folks, if you don't know how to listen to folks, all you're going to end up doing is shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, um, for those who have joined us in the chat room uh, or uh, calling in and listening tonight, thank you for joining us. Uh, This is the Texas Conflict Coach, and we're having our monthly conflict chat, and we invite you to bring your conflict situation to us. Uh, Certainly you can use the chat room to um, ask a question or certainly make a comment, um, or you can call in at 347 324 3591 and press the number one key. We invite you to follow us on Twitter at TX Conflict Coach. And so we've been talking about you know, leaders who are using toxic behaviors um, in, in Uber is the specific example. They're just one example of many, 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 many leaders out there who um, do not have not learned. And, you know, uh, CEO um, Kalanick, is, as you said, uh, recognizes finally uh, because he's been caught and publicly and, and uh, embarrassed and, and, ca- and kind of caught in the act, if you will, in that he says, I need to fundamentally change and grow up. And the thing about it is, is that um, because of the type of culture that he's created, you know, now there's other, it's, it's trickled down to the, to the culture, not just in how we communicate, but even around being inclusive, uh, equitable. Now they're having claims of sex, uh, sexism in the workplace and not having diversity and inclusion. And so all of this just kind of builds, you know, the stone, the sto- well, I don't even know what the, the first dominoes. is. What is it? Dominoes. The, 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 it's well, like a domino effect. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> So the question then becomes is what can we say for those leaders that are new, not new, very, very high-level positions, uh, maybe they're just starting out, they're mid-level, 
But instead of leaders crashing and burning, and, 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 and you are going to fail, and you're going to succeed, and you're going to learn from those failures, and we're hopeful of, of every leader with their ability to do that, but there's a tendency to let the toxicity build and the smoke fill the workplace environment. So what would we suggest to leaders then that they can do to air out the toxicity and prevent future crashes? What do they need to do to start doing more preventative work, you know, and repair what has uh, been happening in their workplace environments? Well, there's a term that we use in conflict resolution that I think is is pretty good. And some folks may or may not have heard it before, but the the thing that comes to my mind is something called conflict competency. And the idea is is just as you're um, you know competent to drive a car or um, uh, competent to give somebody CPR, you know you should be competent in dealing with your problems. And if you want to stop crashing and burning and having that um, having those flames fill your workplace your home, your neighborhood, you got to be able to look at how you show up. What happens when somebody disagrees with you? You know, what we talk about in conflict resolution is, is what's your style? You know, what, what is the default thing? Are you aggressive? Do you appease? Do you run away? Do you try to work with them? What do you do? But more than anything is, is like if you don't take conflict seriously, you know, it's this thing of like it's going to have you for breakfast. You are going to be the one who is way behind the eight ball, completely lost as to what you're supposed to be doing. And if I'd say anything to, to any leader who wants to go and get on top of that stuff, know yourself and get conflict competent. Yes, you know, we actually have done a series of podcasts over the years. In fact, we celebrate our eight years coming up in April. Uh, thank you for being part of that, Stephen, with me for all these years. And one of the leaders and leading uh, conflict management practitioners and researchers and, and is, is the author uh, was uh, did a, a series of podcasts for us, Managing Conflicts, um, and he's the author of Becoming Conflict Competent Leaders. So there's actually a book that's called Becoming a Conflict Competent Leader by Craig Rundy, R-U-N-D-E, and Tim Flanagan. And if you go to the TexasConflictCoach.com, you can certainly um, um, just type in uh, Craig Rundy or Conflict Competence, and you'll see a series of podcasts that you can listen to about developing your conflict competence, becoming a conflict competent leader, uh, and even talking about how do we deal with different cultures and the diversity in our cultures in terms of competency. So those are really great resources in which you can start to understand one, as you said, Stephen, be aware, self-aware. And I remember Craig Rundy saying to me, but it's not just enough to be self-aware, we need to be also aware of others, but we need to know how then to apply so that we become competent uh, in both awareness and application. And uh, and it's not really hard to do, and there's a lot of uh, uh, factors that are involved, many of which we've just discussed with how do we build trust, how do we communicate respectfully in conflict, how do we uh, communicate, how do we listen, how do we um, acknowledge people, how do we, um, you know, follow through with our intentions so the integrity of who we are and how we show up. 
is aligned with the kind of culture that we want. Um, so those are definitely some podcast resources. What are other things besides conflict competence? You know, a lot of this also comes back to, um, you know, the the term that 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 sort of they they use is regulation, but it's about how you manage your own stress and how you manage your emotions. You know, as somebody who's you know studied the martial arts for a long time and studied the fight or flight response and somatics, we see it now with our current president. If you aren't able to manage your own emotions, your emotions get the best of you. And, you know, as as I was told many times by my mother, you can't take back the words that you say. <laughs> yeah, because once it's out there, it's out there, and it's very hard to take that sting away. Right, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you say things, and you know, and you've stung, you've stung someone, and then that, depending on how they received it, you know, it, it might take a little while for the sting to go away, but sometimes it leaves a little scar, and people are still going to remember that that's how you know you engage, especially if it's if it's an ongoing thing, and I think when we see when you bring up you know president the current president president trump and we see those you know he's very quick to get angry and be triggered he he just wears his emotions right on his sleeve and and the and the way that people how it impacts how people are either afraid of that uh become yes man to that um, run away from that that fight or flight response and so leaders be thinking about how do people react to you when you're engaging that way? Part of that self-awareness is being aware of how are people, are you really paying attention to what people are saying or how they're reacting or responding to your types of behaviors and communication? Or if your intention is to be a partner, to be collaborative, to be inclusive, uh, to honor diversity, what are you seeing around you and the people that, you know, that you've hired in other leadership positions to model that? And conflict competence is not just conflict competence as an individual. Uh, Craig Rundy talks a lot about conflict competent teams. We were even just talking uh, shortly ago um, before the show about, you know, team coaching and the things that you are learning about helping teams be more competent in how they deal with tensions and problems. And then, of course, organization-wide. How does an organization become conflict competent as an organization? So all of these things have to be modeled and supported in all various kinds of ways. Well, and, and it's also just about being honest with yourself. You know, if you, if you, if you look at President Trump, you know, he – his emotions allow him to be very authentic, or people see him as very authentic. He says what he thinks. You know, lots of folks are like, oh, I can get behind that. And, you know, okay, that, that's going to take you so far, but then it's also like what happens if you're on the other side? You know, there's lots of people who, you know, he says they're sad or they should be fired, and – you know, what happens if they still have to deal with each other? What's going to happen to you? And, you know, if 
uh, Kalanick takes this very aggressive response. That very aggressive response is going to take him and get him successful, but eventually it's going to be a weight that drags him down and pulls him into situations that he doesn't want to be in. And one of the things that I, 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 I see over and over again is, is, is that leaders are often, you know, they, they get themselves out of their depth. And when that happens, everybody else falls apart. And you have to be able to pause for yourself and pay attention to yourself. And you have to have somebody else tell you when everything's on fire. You know, you got to have somebody who's willing to say, you know what, this isn't working. And you got to listen to them. You know, something you just said, and I know that we're coming to a close here, and that is I I never thought of it this way, that with President Trump being perceived as being authentic or genuine in terms of – or transparent in terms of showing his emotions. Um, And that's a really good point. He does show his emotions pretty openly and freely when he's, you know, unhappy. You know that he is unhappy. And so that is authentic. And so I think for a lot of people there's a level of trust that's built uh, around or for him because he is being authentic and transparent. Uh, Now, is he being abrasive, aggressive, and modeling those types of behaviors as a leader? Yes, Uh, which then gives permission to a lot of people to say, well, if the president can do it, so can I, you know. you know, so that's another another conversation, but it is <laughs> a at a macro episode. level, right? But at a macro yeah. level, it gives per- people permission in the United States to say, well, if he can do it, I can do it. But in a micro level, meaning within a company, you're serving, you know, a customer, a consumer, you're serving your clients, your 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 employees, your partners, your stakeholders, uh, that becomes very unacceptable. Um, you know, and we're we are actually I'm actually seeing a trend now where uh, very abrasive, aggressive leaders who are top of their game, their CEOs are very high level, C level executives, and more and more companies are saying, especially legal, who are getting involved in saying, okay, this is not acceptable anymore. Yes, we know you're bringing in billions of dollars and you're bringing recognition to the company, but it's this fine balance of okay, we've got to help this leader change how he is he or she has been all these years because this is no longer either acceptable or becomes more of a liability even though they recognize the technical brilliance or the dollars that they bring in or the reputation from a competitive side so i think a lot of companies in hr and employee relations and union representatives and lawyers are like eh, we need to look at this again <laughs> how do we create a balance or so not creating a liability or a legal liability with these types of behaviors so well, undoubtedly because you know, it's a thing where your strength can become your weakness. And if you're not able to regulate yourself, if you're not able to go and tell your, your, your – if you're not able to get your mouth to, be, to shut and to have your ears open, you're just going to end up with lawsuits or bad publicity or lack of uh, support, you know, your reputation, you name it. And, and so it's something where – we all are going to have things we need to work on. We're all going to have things that we're good at. But if you want to go and you want to make a difference, you know, some of the things we've discussed today are really essential to making you 
a great leader, um, somebody who's going to be able to make a difference in your workplace, in your neighborhood, uh, wherever you want to focus your time. Well, you know, one thing that was, you know, that seemed uh, revealing about um, the Uber CEO, Kalanick, is that he seemed to be in a place that he wanted and was needing uh, leadership help. You know, mm-hmm. so folks, if you're a leader and you're out there, you know, that's why there are executive coaches. More and more executive coaches are being hired to work with leaders either on onboarding or dealing with very specific um, troubling areas that they want to change about themselves in terms of conduct and behavior and certainly performance. Executive coaching has been around for performance for years. Uh, but if you need that kind of support, there are people out there that are that are specialized, like Stephen and myself, but there are executive coaches all over the world. There that are certified through the International Coach Federation. That's definitely something to really, really consider and really educate yourself um, around that. Um, and, again, uh, if you go to the TexasConflictCoach.com, uh, just look in our podcast library, and there's a, a really uh, great number of resources there. Uh, and so you can get some tips and, and strategies for that. Um, the only other thing I would say is um, – uh, Katrina Baru, she's an executive coach out of Switzerland and Geneva, Switzerland, and she and I actually produced a, a series of audio mini books uh, called Coaching Global Resilient Leadership. And uh, we have a two or three that were very specific to managing toxic leaders, dealing with destructive workplace behaviors, um, and then when the avoidant and abrasive leaders uh, collide, breaking the stalemate. So some really specific uh, uh, mini books that are audio books uh, that can help you if you're interested in that. You can go to conflictconnections.com um, to uh, tap into those resources. So, Stephen, this was uh, a really great conversation, something that is, um, you know, not out of the norm. We've seen these kinds of things in the cases we deal with. Any cl- closing comments you wanted to make before we uh, end the program tonight? I, I, I would say if you if you want to make a difference, you got to understand how people work. And the simplest things are being able to listen and be able to truly understand what matters to them. Not what they say they want, truly what they need, what matters to them. If you can do that, it's going to make all the difference. And so we'll end on that note. Listeners, thank you for joining us in the chat room, uh, in our Twitter feed, and for calling in. Stephen, thank you again for having this conversation with me tonight. I appreciate your collegiality and friendship. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you've enjoyed the program. You can find over 300 podcasts archived to listen at your own convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. To learn about upcoming radio programs and resources, sign up for our monthly e-newsletter.